Lord. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of them. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. From St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Today is a momentous day in the life of our city, our nation, and even our world. Today, millions of New Yorkers and visitors from near and far are gathering to commemorate the 50th anniversary of an event that is often described as the beginning of the modern LGBTQ rights movement in the United States. And beyond America, the events of Stonewall inspired many around the world. Today's Pride March will include many religious groups, including our own Episcopal Diocese of New York. To some, that might be quite unremarkable news, while to others it might be more noteworthy and even potentially troubling. How, one might ask, can Christians celebrate Pride? Today, I want to offer some of my thoughts. Today's march begins with a bar in the West Village called the Stonewall Inn. On June 28, 1969, police raided Stonewall. It was a gathering place for gays, lesbians, and transgender people, and individuals who did not conform to socially accepted gender norms of the time. Very few establishments served people like this. And they often, these, these venues often operated in a hazy legal limbo. On the grounds of lacking a proper alcohol license, police would from time to time raid the Stonewall Inn and similar venues, arrest the bartenders, and round up the patron, many of the patrons on legally dubious, even then, charges of dressing as a member of the opposite sex. It was harassment and discrimination, and it was certainly not the finest hour for our city's police department. In fact, just this month, Police Commissioner James O'Neill 
formally apologized, stating that the actions taken by officers at Stonewall were wrong, plain and simple. In this environment of social stigma and government-sanctioned oppression, the June 28th raid was expected to go like all the others before it did. But instead, people had other ideas. People in the street began rioting, throwing cans and stones. There were injuries, unfortunately, but thankfully no one was killed or seriously harmed. The message was clear. We've had enough, and we're not going to disappear back into the night. More protests erupted the next evening and the following weeks, and LGBTQ people began organizing, demanding rights and dignity. There was an increasing sense among activists that the only way to end legal and social discrimination was for LGBTQ people to publicly share their identities so that everyone would know that, yes, they do know someone like that. So a year after the Stonewall riots, the first pride marches and parades were held in New York, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. One writer in the Times recently described New York's first pride march as an act of desperate courage. But that was long ago. Haven't LGBTQ people made so many strides forward that all this fanfare is no longer necessary? After all, same-sex marriage is the law of the land, and there's even a married gay man running for a strong campaign for his party's nomination for President of the United States. Powerful business executives identify as LGBTQ. Transgender actors are getting film and television accolades, as are other actors playing transgender roles. There's a sense among many, even, that perhaps it's hip and socially cool to be gay, trans, or gender non-binary. It's true that much in society and law has changed, but unfortunately, not enough. In March, a report found that half of LGBTQ people live in states without laws against employment discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. 29 states don't have laws against similar discrimination in the housing market. These gains have also been uneven. While white, lesbian, and gay people have similar income and wealth statistics as white heterosexual people, same-sex couples of color and transgender people are three to four times likely, more likely to live in poverty as their white and straight counterparts. And most alarmingly still, LGBTQ youth still have much higher rates of attempted suicide and suicidal thoughts than their heterosexual peers, pointing to continued lack of acceptance among many families and social pressures to conform. This negative peer pressure uh, is even found at Grace Church School, where teachers have shared with me that while the culture of the school is one that is very affirming, students who are out are still sometimes, and even often, made fun of and excluded by many of their peers. Adolescence is, after all, a really hard time to be different, any kind of different. Thankfully, many of their peers do joyfully welcome them, and there's a strong gay-straight alliance at the school. 
In fact, schools with GSAs have been found to have half, half the rate of attempted suicide and suicidal thoughts as schools without. And that goes across the board, both for straight and gay students alike. And another recent study found the presence of even just one accepting adult in an LGBTQ youth's life reduces the risk of suicidal thoughts or actions by 40%. So yes, after all, after all the gains that have been made, yes, pride is still important. And our words and actions as a church in this environment are still important. When we as a church announce to our neighborhood and to all who pass by that all are welcome, it matters, and it matters a lot. Those simple words are potentially life-saving and life-changing, and they are gospel. They are the good news of Christ. As St. Paul writes in today's reading from Galatians, for freedom, Christ has set us free. A few months ago, we instituted a new thing called a parish day of service. In addition to our ongoing volunteer opportunities, this was, uh, the hope was that it would provide more opportunities for parishioners to reach out to our community. One of the programs we went to on this initial start was Art and Acceptance. It's based at the Episcopal Church and School of St. Luke in the Fields in the village. And even though it's not a religious program in content, many participants call it Saturday Church. It is, after all, on a Saturday evening in a church. And in fact, that's the name of a recent movie inspired by art and acceptance. Plans are in the works for a public screening of Saturday Church in November at the Grace Church School High School campus. But in the meantime, you can view it on various streaming services. Art and Acceptance is an outreach program aimed at homeless LGBTQ teenagers and adults. You see, many families still reject these youth, even here in New York City. And so here and nationally, they make up a disproportionately large percentage of the homeless youth population. Not all shelters and service providers are friendly for these teenagers and young people, even in New York. So art and acceptance is a safe space for these young people to be themselves while receiving important social services. Volunteers like our group sometimes help out with the services themselves, with crafts, and with games. But the most important thing they do is to contribute their presence. At the volunteer orientation, we were told that these young people often lack positive adult presences in their lives. And so the best thing that we could do would be to just be ourselves. Volunteers being authentic in conversation over dinner would help the clients feel more comfortable expressing who they are. When we allow ourselves to be free, we set others free. The Christian church, sadly, has all too often stood in the way of freedom and dignity for LGBTQ people, and it still does in many sectors. But the church is increasingly making up for this, and the Episcopal church has been leading the way for the past four decades. I, it's had an impact in my life. 
I was able to come out to myself and others as a gay person because of my local congregation and the witness of the larger Episcopal Church. I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist family, and I tried to deny the truth about myself, but in college I discovered the Episcopal campus ministry through my best friend. There, and the church connected to it, I found a community where God was seen primarily as loving rather than judging, and where people asked questions and challenged old assumptions where sin was as much about how we mistreat the poor as a society as it was about people's private individual lives, where salvation was more about the new life Christians find in the resurrection than it was about believing in the right things to stay out of hell. Don't get me wrong, there is much that is good and faithful in the Baptist tradition in which I was raised, but it was in the Episcopal Church's vision of the kingdom of God where I found the good news for my life. And it was through my church and my church friends that I came to know that it was okay to be gay. Yes, there are parts of the Bible that suggest that homosexuality is not okay, but when I read these passages in context, when I examined the meaning of the original languages, when I read all of Scripture through the life of Jesus Christ, it became clear to me that in no way was the Bible talking about what we conceive of today as consensual, loving relationships between adult peers. Some, of course, would say that I had been misled by false prophets. Jesus said that you can tell truth from falseness in the same way you can tell good trees from bad ones. You will know them by their fruits. As St. Paul writes in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. So when I saw love and joy and all those other good fruits at work in the lives of LGBTQ people at my church and my university, I had to conclude that there is no law against such things. And that, it turned out, was good news for me. Even though it did take some years for me to fully shake off those past negative beliefs about gender and sexual orientation that I've been raised with. In fact, it was whenever I was at an Episcopal seminary, not at my secular university, when I fully embraced all of who I am, not just as something that was okay, but that was good. I realized that I was free to be myself and love myself, and that made me free to love others for who they are. And that made me a better Christian, and in time it made me a better priest. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Many people who are not Christians and who are not religious of another type, and quite a few who are Christians and religious, misunderstand what God and spirituality are all about. Very often they think we come here to these holy spaces to become slaves to a repressive institution that was created to control people. We're not supposed to think for ourselves or act for ourselves in this misconception. But mindless obedience to an ancient code of conduct is not at all what God wants from us. A person in shackles, after all, cannot truly love 
his or her jailer. God wants us to be free so that we can truly love one another and love God. St. Paul tells us what Christian freedom is all about in today's lesson from Galatians. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. True freedom is love. It's loving our neighbor as ourself. It's loving God with all our heart and mind and soul. That means, to paraphrase that little-known theologian, RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how the heck are you going to love somebody else? And the other way around is true, too. If you can't love other people, how are you going to love yourself? In his life and death, Jesus Christ gave himself for us as an offering of God's love. In the crucifixion, we are given the path of love and service for others. In his resurrection, he gives us life, freedom from death, freedom to live. And choosing life means to love and serve God and others. We are beloved children of God, made in God's very own image. And just what is that image? Scripture tells us that God is love. We are made in the image of love. And when we love, God is there. All are welcome here in this church because God is love. Today and every day, I pray that we go out into the world at the end of this service and that we share God's love. Today, that means we have an outward and visible sign of God's love displayed on our church fence in those All Are Welcome posters. Today, that means, that may mean going out into the world and loving people, may mean marching in that parade, or it may mean supporting friends from the sidewalks, or it may mean something as simple as smiling at the passers-by, couples visiting from faraway places who might be holding hands for the first time in public because they feel safe here, people who are perhaps for the first time expressing outwardly how they've always felt inside. Our words of welcome are important. And just as our words are important and might be life-saving and life-changing for the right person at the right time, the same might be true of that simple smile you can offer to someone as you pass them by. So what I say today, what I ask you today, is that we don't take for granted that we are an inclusive, welcoming people, that we don't assume that others know that about us, and about our church and our community. Today and every day, let's show all the people of the world that we love them, just as God loves us all. For freedom, Christ has set us free, free to love. Amen.